You're listening to Chicago Writes, a podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. This episode of Chicago Writes, author and educator Kristen Oakley on writing for young adults. But first, a few important announcements from our CWA calendar. Welcome to the Chicago Writers Association podcast, a resource for writers. I'm your host, W.C. Turk, author and playwright. This podcast is designed for authors and readers alike, an author's resource and a showcase for some of the preeminent contemporary and independent authors from here at home in Chicago and around the world. Visit chicagorights.org. It's that time of the year again. Submissions for the Chicago Writers Association 13th Annual Book of the Year Contest will open on June 1st. If you have a book that was published between July 1st, 2022 and June 30th, 2023, you may submit it to the Chicago Writers Association Book of the Year Awards. The contest is open to members and non-members, to authors and publishers. We accept submissions in four categories, traditional fiction, indie fiction, traditional nonfiction, and indie nonfiction. See the guidelines on the entry form via the link in the notes below and be sure your book is submitted to the correct category. Entries will be accepted until August 1st, 2023. Entries will be accepted until August 1st, 2023. Entries postmarked after midnight on August 1st, 2023 will not be accepted. Finalists will be announced in October. Winners will be announced in December. Winners will be honored at a ceremony at the Warwick Allerton Hotel on January 20th, 2024. Download and print the PDF entry form via the link below. It will give you all the pertinent details and the mailing address. The preferred method of payment is through PayPal. Click the link below to submit payment. Complete the form and send it with your book and a copy of your PayPal receipt to the address on the form. The entry fee is $15 for CWA members $25 for non-members. You may also send a check made payable to Chicago Writers Association with your entry form and your book. One entry per author. Publishers may submit more than one title, but only one per author. Please note, books submitted to the contest cannot be returned. Now is the time to join Chicago Writers Association. It's open to writers and authors anywhere in the world. Unlock a wealth of writer and author resources, programs, and benefits for just $25 per year by visiting chicagorights.org or click on the link in the notes below. Chicago Writers Association membership, by the way, makes a great gift. And it's another sure sign of the season. Look for details about the 8th Annual First Chapter Contest coming in the summer of 2023. Polish, 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 and be ready to submit that winning first chapter. It could land you a once-in-a-lifetime full scholarship to attend either the All-Genre Novel in Progress Book Camp and Writing Retreat on June 18th through the 24th, 2023, or the Speculative Fiction Book Camp and Writing Retreat on August 13th through the 19th, 2023, 
at the Siena Retreat Center in Racine, Wisconsin, a value of $1,429. The Novel in Progress Book Camp and Writing Retreat has been honored to serve writers from all over the U.S. and Canada who dedicate a week or more to their work in progress. We provide a full week immersion program that includes daily professional instruction, visiting agents and publishers, and plenty of time to practice and grow your craft. For details and information on the Novel in Progress Book Camp and Writing Retreat, visit novelbookcamp.org. Winners will be published in the CWA's e-zine, Wright City Magazine. Visit chicagorights.org for details, or click on the link below. All right, so let's uh, let's get right to it. I've got, I, I really enjoyed the book. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I've got a lot of questions. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll teach some people and, and plumb your your expertise in writing for young adults and, uh, and get to all that. I have a, uh, a little introduction that goes, I'm also writing a book. I'm, I'm at a piece where I'm talking about Shakespeare and I'm, I'm, I'm spending a little bit of time on the, the anti- Shakespeare, uh, pro Shakespeare controversy of of authorship, which is a little a little beguiling, a little confusing, and I'm trying to to make it concise and get a good point here. Pro or con? I am pro, but I can see some of the points that the that the con make, even though they rely in basically the same logic that pro use, right? It's really all about attribution, and the, the and and Shakespeare is the first author in uh, the first artist really in history to sort of engender this this sort of uh, authorship controversy, and so attribution is is very very important. I lean very very strongly, and 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 there are there are numerous there are numerous instances of collaboration with other writers and you can't collaborate with somebody who doesn't exist or who doesn't write which, which would tend to you know lean in favor of of Shakespeare authorship but then there was there was just a, a huge cache of of medieval and renaissance books that were found in a Romanian church that had been locked away literally for 400 years and these things come to light regularly. So I think maybe a footnote would be a, a way to protect the the legitimacy of the work. I think that's a, a paramount consideration as well. I, I love definitely. your thoughts. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I'm kind of in the con uh, camp, but I'd be fascinated by your book. I'm, you, you know, when, it, when are you going to be done and when is it coming out? You know, so... It's it's really groundbreaking work. It's about so I, there was a there was a study uh, that came out um, four or five years ago uh, that talked about how how the arts and culture sped up human evolution. So I started looking at that with that uh, there there's the, there there's the the law of uh, of of uh, the exponential growth of of um, computer memory. I, I can't remember the, the gentleman's name now, mm-hmm. but you know he he says every every two years you you'll see you'll see a doubling of of memory. And we we've largely seen that 
Uh, and and then then he 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 follows it up with you know but it, it'll come to a point where that you've you've reached the physical limit of of being able to do that within a within a certain technological framework. So I started looking at human evolution and 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 culture, religion, art, painting, storytelling, and all that, and found significant steps where you could measure over the course of time the the ascension of uh, uh, of our species through the arts wow so so i'm i'm following that from literally the beginning of time following a a a, a photon through the ascension of of the human species through to the last chapter will be about uh, realizing human diversity through the arts, okay. Um, by bringing women more strongly into uh, in into the arts, uh, and then and then more more cultures. And I, so I I do that through not only poetry and literature, but uh, but especially through abstract and expressionist art art art, which is which has transcended boundaries and race and cultures and nationalities. Uh, as as truly a human art form so Very light reading yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, it's, reading. it's gonna be it's gonna be at about it's gonna be about 110 or 120,000 words so I put it this way I wanted to write a book about the uh, uh, about everything and I did it there it is <laughs> so there it is so, yeah. so let's yeah. let's get to you here okay Strap in because I because this introduction might take a while, even just skimming the surface. Kristen Oakley's latest young adult novel is The Devil Particle, a little like a young man's view of the worst neighborhood in A Handmaid's Tale. As her protagonist Paul remarks, life is a piece of cake. Fallout from the foreign wars blocking sunlight for years, suicide bombers blowing up the bank, not to mention having to dodge creepers, body snatchers, and city, uh, and city guards, kind of like my neighborhood here in Chicago. Kristen teaches writing workshops, has critiqued manuscripts through the University of Wisconsin's Madison Division of Continuing Studies, and has helped writers hone their, their agent pitches at the Division's Writers Institute. As a Chicago Writers Association board member, Kristen, yes. uh, as a Chicago Writers Association board member, Kristen was the managing editor of the of the, the Right City she, of the Right City Magazine and the, and the Right City Review, and I'm screwing myself up here, and is currently assisting with educational programming. She is also the author of the award-winning Leo Townsend series and many, many, many blogs from writing to homeschooling. The website is kristenoakley.net. I did it! <laughs> wow. Um what what an amazing resume, first of all, and and welcome to Chicago Writes. How are you? I'm very good, Bill. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, and and it's so good to have you on this uh, autumn, spring, autumn, spring day. It's hard to tell. Hard to tell yeah, these days. It's it's really getting harder to tell anymore. Um, so I I, I also wanted to well, I, I needed to mention this: the Devil Particle release party, uh, Wednesday, June seventh at six p.m. Uh, at the Mystery to Me Bookstore, eighteen sixty three Monroe Street in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, it's it's Wisconsin. So how many kegs and barbecue grills will there be? Oh, and, hundreds, hundreds. And, and and it goes till the cops shut it down, right? It, uh, of course, of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, no, uh, tickets are free, but space is limited, and maybe maybe BYOB in a pla in a in a plane bag or. <laughs> right. It'll be live streamed as well too. So for yes, my it will. Friends, they can they can tune in that way. Yeah, if you can't make it in person, and uh, uh, you also need to uh, to RSVP for that. Uh, you can go to Crowdcast.io. Uh, devil particle register and I'll, I'll, th there's a lo longer address there that uh, i'm not gonna burden people with um, but we'll post it in the notes below so they can they can connect and uh and see what it takes to uh to pull together a uh a, a book party last month you also uh hosted a program as part of the cwa uh educational series creating unforgettable characters how did that go well it went really well it yeah. was fun a lot of fun nice yeah, not a handout so <laughs> it's a good crowd yeah lots of great questions and nice feedback on it so i think people got a lot out of it which is important characterization is critically important especially in a young adult uh novel um we're going to get to that in just a bit so i i also want to talk about some of your previous work uh, and then we'll get on to the uh, to the devil particle. And I guarantee, by the way, at the end of this, our audience will be well educated in writing uh, young adult fiction. Uh, first, we always talk a little bit about marketing. How did your your book launch event come about? Um, was that through your publisher, or uh, was that your something you set up? It, it was something I set up. I am actually self-publishing, independently publishing these books. And Mystery to Me in Madison, um, there's a lot of great bookstores in Madison, but I think it's the premier. Uh -huh. uh, because they, throughout the years, they helped um, the Writers Institute uh, with their book sales right. there. But they are very, very supportive of independent published and um, new and up and coming authors. Mm -hmm. So they have events several, I don't know, it used to be two, three times a week, they'd have an author come in. So it's just a really, really amazing place. Wonderful. And I've had other book signings and events there before with my other two books. So of course, it wasn't, it was a no brainer to just, you know, reach out to them and, and contact them and they were on board. So that that's exciting. And we mentioned the, the Leo Townsend series, and you had success with those. Any, any tips or, or tricks or, or a key to to marketing a book, especially if you're a self-published author? So I don't know about tricks or tips or it's hard because each book is so different. Sure. But I've learned for myself anyway, first of all, I'm, I'm gregarious. I like to talk to people. I like to be out there. So my first two books, especially the first one, I did all the in-person events. You know, I went to everything. Um, and they were wonderful. I had a wonderful time. I met some amazing people and other authors mm -hmm. that was uh, helpful for my career. I will say that. But I didn't sell a lot of books. Mm -hmm. And those events take a lot of time and effort, especially if you're going to give a presentation or a talk. You've got to prepare that ahead of time. And then, of course, you've got to haul your books all down there. And, and, you know, So it takes a lot of time. This time around, I'm only doing the one event uh, so far. I don't know. Probably if somebody asks, I'll do more. But just the one event in person. The rest of the time, I'm really spending it on uh, digital um, sales, digital, you know, getting out to social media. Mm -hmm. I have um, since the devil, since the um, Leo Townsend series came out, I really started working on my newsletter mm -hmm. list, and that comes out twice a month, and mm -hmm. that's expanded quite a bit. So I reach out to those people 
this time around, I'm doing ARC readers and I'm doing NetGalley for readers and, and some of those other services. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think also this book lends to that more because it is young adult. And so I think it is easier to market it because mm -hmm. it's definitely a genre that's very specific. My first two books were mainstream, contemporary, there's thriller, suspense, mystery, but they were hard to place. Would you recommend to to have a newsletter or or writing blog as, as you do? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing I do with the Chicago Writers Association is I've written some articles for their blog and I uh -huh. have a, uh -huh. an article specifically about that, uh, newsletters. And also how to, there's two articles, one on that and one how to expand your newsletter list. Um, I have worked with Dan Blank, who is from We Grow Media, and um, Tim Grawl. I'm involved in his his courses. Mm -hmm. They're both marketing gurus, and they say, hands down, you need a newsletter. And the reason is you're building a fan base. Indeed. And these people are coming along for the ride, and they're eager to help. So in my newsletter that comes out twice a month, once a month, it's my journey as a writer, what's going on, what's happening. And the other time, it's a book review of some book I've read that I'm just fascinated in. Mm -hmm. And it I apply it to, at the end, I'll say, this is how it affect my own writing as a writer. It's also good for me for a couple of things. First of all, now I have to produce every two weeks, I have to produce something as opposed mm -hmm. to a novel, which you know takes years. Um, I have to get something out and I get feedback all the time from people, which is really good for us to keep going, You know, to know that people are out there listening to what, what we have to say. And these people are really behind what I'm doing. They're excited for me. They're cheering me on. And hopefully they'll tell all their friends and, you know, it, it'll it'll expand that way. But I can't say enough good things. When I first started the newsletter, Dan Blank had said, you you got to get a newsletter going. And I'm like, why do I want to give this away for free, right? If I'm going to write these articles, I need to get paid for that. Well, you are, you basically are getting paid for that. When yeah. you think about the connections you're making and then, you know, you're getting this fan base to to grow. So I can't say enough good things about it. I think your your website is important as a new as a new author, but then second or even first, you got to get a blog or a newsletter going. This is a, a an evolutional uh, skill. You 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 get better at writing. So writing about writing uh, helps you write better. Should I say it? I'm going to say it. Right. Right. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And you you think, oh well. What can I write about? Well, the other thing is, it depends on, well, what's your book about, right? Yeah, and it, yeah. this is for nonfiction as well. I mean, maybe it's easier than for nonfiction. You have a topic to talk about. So um, in my case, you know, I did some fun research. I did some some fun trips for my books. And so I talked about that and, you know, who I interviewed. But anything you have, there's something in the book that can bring up, you can bring out. Mm -hmm. But then you just your journey. Uh, people are fascinated with with writers. They really are. And so they want to know, how does this work? How did you do this? Where did you come up with these ideas? Um, yeah. So the more you write them, and I think this is true with anything you write, the, the more ideas you come to you and the easier it comes. Well, you're, you know, and, and I say this in, in my, uh, my book that I'm just about done with, uh, A History of Light for the Artist, uh, we're a storytelling culture. Mm -hmm. Art began as, as us telling stories to and about one another and about the world around us. That's been borne out in numerous medical studies and, and MRI data that shows that both reading and writing and the relationship between a person who's reading and a person who's listening 
the the whole brain lights up. Uh, it, it's it's just astounding. So uh, I, I also wanted to, to touch on this audiobooks. Both books in in your Leo Townsend series were recorded as as audiobooks. Yes. How did that work out for you? And and what has been been the reaction? And then and and then I'd lo- I'd love to I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I'm recording two of my novels. I've just finished recording one of my novels. I just need to finish editing it. Um, but I'm I, and I'm in the process of recording uh, my latest novel. I, I also come from a theater background, yeah. and, and and some I've done some radio theater with you know the like the old fashioned radio theater with the sound effects and building the world behind that dialogue and there's a part of me that thinks that that this medium is is underrealized and that maybe we should think of building in a small amount of sound without without making it into into a movie or or something completely distracting but but kind of building in a little bit of that essence behind it. I, I'd love love your thoughts on on that and and uh, on recording an audiobook. That's interesting what you said about the the background noises, a little bit of sound. Um, I just listened to Middlemarch the first time I'd ever read the book. Mm-hmm. And it was a production with the different actors, and I'm walking through my neighborhood, and there's clip clopping of horses, and I'm like, where are the <laughs> and it was in the production. So I think it can be, if it has to be done really well, though, it can be distracting to the story. So it's a fine line, I think. Um, in my case, for our, for my books, he just, uh, the actor, Rob Doyle, just read mm-hmm. them. How that came about is I had always wanted to have audiobooks. I But I thought, I can't, you know, unlike you, I don't have a studio. I don't have a place where I can record this. And I don't. I don't act. I, I can't imagine trying to do that. And I'm not, <laughs> a, I'm not a man and the main character is a man. So um, at one of the author fairs that I went to, the woman that ran it had audiobooks mm-hmm. and she had the CDs, the CDs. Yeah. Um, and I said, where did you, how did you do this? And she said, there's a production company in downtown Madison. I just wow. went through them. And so I went and did the tour. I really liked the place. And my dream, though, had to be American Players Theater actor. Mm-hmm. American Players Theater, for those who aren't familiar, is in Spring Green, Wisconsin. And it's um, one of the best professional acting um, theaters in the, in the country, hands down. It's unbelievable. And I'd been going there since I was 17. So I wanted one of those actors and I happened upon one. It took a little time because they're all so busy, you know, and this was in the summer. And I, um, this Rob Doyle, Rob Doyle was a um, young man who I had not, not met. He'd been in at, at APT several times and mm-hmm. there was other theaters around the country. Mm-hmm. And so he said, yes, he, he hadn't done this before. He was very interested in doing it. So we met at the studio and we had an engineer who was awesome. And the three of us sat there and they had this special booth. And I have the book in my hand, the, the engineer has the book and, you know, and then Rob's away in this little closet, basically. And it was absolutely one of the best experiences of my life. Hands mm-hmm. down. He's reading a scene and there's a 70-ish age man, a middle-aged another man and a teenage girl all in the scene. And as he's doing the scene, I had to look over and there's a window that you can see him to look over to say, are there three people in there? (laughs) How does he do that? It's unbelievable. So then we were 
working on the second book and I got curious. I, I wondered how many different voices, how many characters there were. Yeah. So I counted in the second book, there was over 40. This is, you know, like the waitress and stuff too, mm-hmm. you know, the second. And then, so then I went back to the first book and there's over 70 characters. He did over 70 voices for all of them. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So I, I loved it. I, I would, I, it was expensive. It was more than I had anticipated. And if I had known that I probably wouldn't have done that, but I'm glad mm-hmm. I didn't know that because I'm so glad I did for these next books. I'm definitely going to do audiobooks, but I'm going to wait till all four are coming out. Um, the second book comes out this fall. The next two books will come out next year. And these are the more in the Leo Townsend series. No, this is the devil particle. Oh, okay. 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 So this is a series. This is, well, it's a, uh, I don't call it a series. I call it really, it's a trilogy in four books. So it's a quadrilogy because it's, um, they they end, it's basically one book over four. They end in cliffhangers. So that's Mm -hmm, why I went mm -hmm. and get them out, release them so quickly. And once they're all out, then I'll, then I'll, um, you know, hire an actor to do it. And I'll probably go through Amazon, use their service or, Mm -hmm. um, who, Finding Voices, I think it's called. Uh, people have been recommending that. Um, so I'll probably go through them. Nice. Um, that's a couple of years down the road yet. Yeah. So tell us about the uh, the Devil Particle uh, and what it's about. And then we're going to, uh, on a mechanical level, not on a, uh, on a critical level, we're going to tear this thing apart and okay. get, get down into into the machinery of, of what makes a uh, a good young adult novel work. Okay, super. So the devil particle is about, uh, it, it takes place in the year 2063. And they mm-hmm. have discovered that evil is a known quantity that can be collected from everybody and then contained. And that, the, but they have also discovered that it has to be contained in a human vessel and it has to be a 17 year old. The They're getting the, it's called the vessel trials. They have actually, teenagers have volunteered Mm-hmm. to be part of this because the world has is you know imploding um and they want to help out they want to save humanity so they decide to volunteer for this and um so you have this co- contest that goes on um the book started and the series started as a 900 word short story i wrote years ago um i was also the president and one of the founding members of an organization called imprint in the rockford area which is mm-hmm. how i got connected with cwa mm-hmm. um and one of the things that we had was a prompt club, which met once a month. And I recommend this hands heart, you know, all that, you know, for all writers, it's wonderful. Once a month we met, uh, we figured out what kind of prompt we were going to use. And that particular month, it was get a picture and write a, write about it. And it had to be a thousand words or less. So mm-hmm. for some reason, I picked the picture of the atom bomb mushroom cloud mm-hmm. and the story about this character. And it was called the bomb. And he just, it took off. So from 900 words to like 300,000 words. (laughs) It's just amazing how these ideas can just really take off, you know, for us. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's the basics behind the story. The main character is Paul Salvage. um, And he's really trying to prove himself uh, Mm -hmm. that he, to himself and to the world, that he is actually a a decent, good person. And so he has been doing random acts of kindness Mm -hmm. uh, as much as possible. He knows that they're looking for somebody who's decent and good to be this vessel. And so he's even leading up to the trials for years, he's been trying to, you know, station himself as somebody that they would definitely select. So, But he he struggles with that internally. Through, throughout the story. 
is it necessary or or do you fall in love with your characters and your story I, yeah you i do i yeah. do it's interesting it's the the main characters are always not i shouldn't say always but they tend to be harder for me to write mm-hmm. the secondary characters come across like fully composed just amazing in the leo wow. towns series it's it's patrick he's just i can tell you exactly what he's thinking and saying and i i think that's just because we know that the main characters are so important and they need to be really well developed that it's maybe a little intimidating at first, you know, <laughs> but then after a while, yeah, you do. And what happened with Leo. So then the original series is Leo Townsend. He's in the first two books and I have a third book and I have ideas for two more. And then this Paul came into my head and he just couldn't let it go. I had to, I had to do his story first. So yeah, you definitely do fall in love with, with your characters. Does continuing the uh, the characters um, or their stories does the, does that help with uh, because you know I, I've I've written novels and then when it's done and I, and it's completed and that journey is completed or or that character has completed their journey I'm kind of heartbroken like I, I'm saying goodbye to to someone that I've gotten to know intimately and deeply. And uh, it, it, it sounds like you found a little bit of a fix for that. Yeah, yeah. You definitely mourn it. Yeah. And, and so I'm working on the, these four books at the same time. And so I would, you know, I finished the first book and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, wait, I have more. It's great. <laughs> um, with the Leo, with the Carpe Diem Illinois, the first book, I thought it was a standalone until I wrote the last line. And then I thought, he's got more stories here. Yeah. It wasn't planned that way. But yes, it's hard to let him go. It really is. There's a spiritual side to this book. You seem to argue an innate darkness is endemic to to the human condition, which can be quantified and isolated. So what is in Kristen Oakley's world is the nature of evil? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, and you, you've you've hit it really well because um, there's more uh, of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid if I say too much, it will spoil the series, but I, I might just go there anyway. How it came about was, you know, the question, is there a God? Mm-hmm. And people would say, well, there isn't because there's evil in the world. And if there was a God, there would be no evil, right? He, he He's all powerful and all, all around. He can do anything. We've we've also seen with the with the Enlightenment and Rousseau, we we've also we and and science, uh, the the debate on on mental uh, mental health, um, is is a is a wonderful case in point. Schizophrenics a hundred years ago were considered evil or possessed, and now now we know that there's that there's a that there's a chemical imbalance in their brain, and that can at least be partly mitigated by by medication but but back to back to Rousseau and the enlightenment they argued that terrible earthquake that devastated portugal uh, and killed 100,000 people wasn't the work of the devil but of but of nature and natural forces so we've seen this constant eroding of evil in the world right maybe to some extent but okay okay so so uh this book differentiates natural evils to moral evils and when they are extracting evil from people it's the it's the moral evils Mm -hmm. it's not 
um, natural evils like cancer or schizophrenia or alcoholism or any mm -hmm. of those things. It's the, it's the moral evils. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes though, and this is getting back to the philosophy of it, uh, it, why is there evil? There was a, and I think he's still alive. There's a philosopher, Alan um, Plantinga, who said that evil is necessary. And this is why it's theirs, because if without evil, there's no choice. So in other words, if we have the choice to pick something that's evil and we go good, then we become a good person. But if everything is good, there's absolutely nothing for us to choose. So we become robotic. We don't become individuals and people. And mm -hmm. that's why God allows evil. And I loved that idea of exploring that and how that works. And so then this world, as you can find, you know, as you know, as it's going to go along, what does this world look like if there is no evil in the world, except for this one person that has all the evil? How is how how are people? How is how, how are things going? And of course, it sounds wonderful. And a lot of it will be right. I mm -hmm. mean, the, you know, it'll, it'll get rid of a lot of things, um, but there might be some issues with it. And to go back to your point about my view about uh, human nature and maybe that we're, there's evil in us. Mm -hmm. um, there's, this is maybe giving a little bit away, but there, I, as I was writing these books, I came across um, Rudger Bregnan's book called mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Human Kindness, the um, a Hopeful History. And I uh, latched onto that. I thought it was wonderful. And basically his premises, and it's based on research uh, that he's done, is that we are basically good and our institutions have, have betrayed us as evil. And so I, I play with that a bit in the books as well. And, I, and maybe that's all I should say about it. <laughs> Interesting. No, yeah. and, and so I, I like this aspect of it. Not, I'm going to be very careful not to uh, to give away any spoilers but there's a there's a driving force in the characters to decide to become this sort of jesus-like savior right? right but but there's but there's a deliberate aspect of that so so a lot of us may have may have a have an understanding of jesus as as the son of god or 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 prophet or or however however you wish to look at that, but that there's there's a holy origin to, to his essence, and and this I, I think gets to uh, gets to an important aspect that's missed by everybody. Sorry, it's sort of sort of written in, but but missed by everybody who talks about how to write uh, good young adult characters is there's there's the deliberate act to become important mm -hmm. and to become valued. Definitely. Well, and we all had that, you know, and hopefully we keep some of that, but yeah, as teenagers, yeah. we all wanted to save the world, right? Yeah. That was yeah. our, we were the new generation that was going to make everything better than the, mm -hmm. than our parents' generation. Mm -hmm. And that's always, that's a very strong feeling in young adults. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. You start by, uh, by describing a sort of dystopian future maybe a very dystopian future and you launch the character right into the thick of things he's right in the middle of all this right off the bat why start that way why not ease ease the characters as a lot of novelists do a lot of adult novelists do ease the character into uh into their surroundings or their environment because you might lose the readers that way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um 
what you want is you want to 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 get them into that world yeah yeah and, and you want it to be descriptive and and you want to understand it and you want them to feel immersed in that world but there has to be some trouble in that world mm-hmm. and that's what gets you going it's you know it's the game of thrones they have the prologue i mean immediately yeah. you're in that and they they have these men that are these things that are attacking them and you're not really sure mm-hmm. what's but you get the full world, but there's something wrong with that world. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, of course, this is a lot of action and thriller and everything else. It doesn't have to be that intense. It can be something as simple as, you know, a, a couple at the at the dinner table and mm-hmm. then he says, I'm leaving. You know, something like that has led to some mm-hmm. something that's going on that's not great in that world. And that's what you really want to lead with with your stories. Indeed. You know? In in writing for young adults. You have a target audience. You have a target demographic. What what is that age range for the Devil Particle? Um, it's usually it's about twelve to twelve to eighteen, but I think probably a little higher, fourteen, mm-hmm. fifteen to eighteen. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and they'll but they'll respond uh, as as you said to to that, and maybe only respond to to that fast opening initial action. Well, and I respond to it. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a huge I think Stephen we I think we all would but but <laughs> I'm a Stephen you're... King fan and you know so I think adults would you know but yeah. yes you expect it in this in this genre you definitely mm-hmm. you know in a YA dystopian you expect that and if it's not there if it doesn't if it's if it's not producing that then you, you're you're gonna lose the audience for it indeed, indeed first person present narrative why was it important to use first person present it it was just a lot of fun <laughs> Um, it's typical of some of the young adults to have that. My uh, first two books are third person. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get inside Paul's head. I was yeah. fascinated by this character and I wanted to experience what he was experiencing as much as possible. And that was the best way to do it. And it draws the reader into the character. It, it they, they embody the character as they're right. reading it. I think because because of that, that moral center uh, that you're that you're that is at the core of this book that that's critically important right yes I think so too yeah yeah I was doing a lot of research on young adult novels and uh, so basically there are five but I think that they're missing some important ones we've touched on here a little bit five basic aspects of writing for young adults this is a piece from writersedit.com by Jessica Clausen titled five tips our top five tips for writing compelling young adult fiction. We can go through through all these a little bit here. Uh, write from the right perspective. Perspective is a basic and incredibly crucial part to any young adult piece of writing. The point of view from which your story is told plays a vital role in how the book will be perceived and related by by readers. We 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 kind of just spoke about that. But teenage voice, this I thought was was really important. And I love your thoughts on this, especially being a mom. As an adult, one of the most difficult parts of writing is in a teenage voice is trying to get back to the to that mindset. Once you leave your teenage years, your way of thinking tends to change drastically and permanently. How did you get there as a writer? Yeah, that's tricky. I haven't been a yeah. teenager quite a while and my daughters are now oh my daughter just my younger daughter just turned 28 yesterday so and the other one's going to be 32 this summer so they're no help 
They are no help anymore. <laughs> they actually, they are a little bit of help. But what I did that was in the, I think it was when the book was in the third draft, I contacted a friend of mine. Her name is Liz Fox. Hi, Liz, if you're listening, she's in the Chicago area. She's she's a teacher, high school teacher at, um, I think it's Oak Park um, High School. And she said, I would love to take your manuscript to my senior English class and wow. have them read it. And I said, oh my gosh, yes, please. So I gave it to them. And um, for an hour we sat, I they just picked away at it, which was awesome because mm-hmm. I was off the mark on a lot of things. You know, they said I wasn't, the characters weren't angsty enough. Um, and then one, one young man, I remember turning to me, he says, you know, we don't really talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're right. You're humans. You don't. I mean, there's a couple of words you use differently, but overall, yeah. So it was, that was invaluable. That helped a lot. And then yes, my daughter, my older daughter in particular, um, is very critical and she, she would once know what, I think there was one or two phrases I used and I can't remember what they were, but she said, mom, I don't even know what that means. So it's like, <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that's outdated a bit. So yeah. And, and that's the best thing. If you can get beta readers in your audience, like mm-hmm. I did with teachers that hands down, that's the best way to do it. There's a really creative way to do that. Young adults tend to be a lot more emotionally driven. Would you agree? Yes, I think so. Yeah. 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 And we tend to rationalize and uh, and use what we believe is a is a a higher form of logic than we give we give young people credit for. They read everything, so there's no. It, it, the, I think the main difference in um, the fact that the protagonist is mm-hmm. a teenager, but again, we all know books where the main character is a young adult or even younger, and mm-hmm. it's an adult book, so. Um, so, you know, it's a fine, it's kind of a blend. Um, it's young adult because it can, it can go to that audience of the younger crowd. But I think um, it, it, you can't really say young adult. I mean, Harry Potter, everybody reads Harry Potter, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things, it's kind mm-hmm. of a blend with the ages. Uh-huh. But, but young people are also learning at an astonishing rate from immediate experiences, right? Right. So, so that, that there's, there's just a, there's a, a fast evolution through through a narrative right is that right right well and and it's the whole coming of age thing they're really uh-huh. exploring it as new adults they're trying to figure out the world and yeah definitely yeah yeah uh, how do you build young adult characters i know you said that that the primary character is always is always a little bit more difficult for you and the uh, and the secondary characters come a little bit more easily but I, i'm just wondering do you build those characters organically in the story uh or are you one of those writers that will sit down beforehand and write about the character their their needs their their likes their descriptions their histories all of that um no i'm a i'm definitely a pantser i'm the seat of the pants okay takes me too long so i've um i figured out how how to work around that uh-huh. um i i now work right one pass so one you know just the rough draft and then i work with tim storm he's my uh, my editor on this particular series and, and he is um mm-hmm. an amazing instructor in his own right and so what i'll do is i'll send him what I think the structure and the character arc is mm-hmm. of the main character. 
Mm -hmm. And that's only one or two, three pages, maybe. And then he'll give me comments. We'll even talk about it. We'll get back and forth. And so then based on how we've got to that point and make sure that it's a solid structure, then I go back and revise. So it's really, yeah. you know, the best of both worlds, but I do have to just get it out on the page for that first draft first, mm -hmm. and then, and then figure out more of the character's journey through a structural thing like that. All right. Uh, number two, be mindful of the language you're using for young adult fiction. It's often assumed that a much more basic vocabulary and language will be, will be used. While this can be useful in certain instances, keep in mind you can still write in more complicated language provided you do it well. You you spoke about that just a moment ago. Uh, uh, the, the author here follows up with the most important thing is not to condescend to your audience. That can be a trap, right? I would think so. Yeah. Hopefully I haven't done that. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's interesting because um, John Green's books, the vocabulary is very well advanced in those books. So it mm -hmm. just depends on who you are as a writer. My vocabulary is not great. It's not a huge. I don't use a lot of, you know, a lot of big words. Um, <laughs> it's just who I am. And I, mm -hmm. it's just the way it comes out. Um, but, it, and not condescending at all. I think that's, that's just annoying. Uh, it, you know, yeah. I hopefully never do that. And and like and like the characters in, in a young adult novel, the readers are also learning and discovering through uh, through the story, right? Yeah, which is kind of the kind of the purpose for that story, anyways, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 You want them to experience it along with the characters. Let me do this here. Uh, number three: explore character progression and growth throughout the story. Clausen reminds us that characters in young adult fiction, we were just talking about this a moment ago, are at the point in their lives where they are constantly growing. Your protagonist is going to be learning things, new things at every turning point and complication. It could be argued that young adult fiction is one of the most prominent literary categories in terms of character progression. That's uh, that's a really powerful statement and observation about about the reader and and a really important cautionary for for an author right yeah i think that's i hadn't heard that before so i i like that a lot um in my course that i taught in march we talk about the character's need and mm -hmm. the growth of the character and in some books there is none of that and you can think of them off the top of your head well lee child's books and um the jack reacher series and of course james bond those characters don't yeah. change. They don't grow. And right. yet they, they sell lots of co copies. So it's not necessarily a lot of books, but I think it, that is true about young adult. I think that's expected in young adult. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what the reader's looking for. Indeed, indeed. Your protagonist is guaranteed to be having a new experience and changing as a person along the way. Uh, and this line, I, I really like to explore childish fights between two friends or awkward moments with parents each moment should be brand new. Um, th that that I, I I thought was because we forget that as adults we forget those those childish arguments and that they're they're often foundational to our personalities and our experience or those really sort of awkward and embarrassing moments that that happen between a child and a parent. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and then then that's where in a in a novel the some subtext comes into play. There yeah. there 
arguing about one thing, but that's not really what they're upset about, right? Mm -hmm. And so then that's tricky to write about, but mm -hmm. also important to the story. Indeed. Number four, be more careful with plot and form. Uh, young adult fiction tends to be far more plot driven than experimental or contemplative, which uh, which you nailed in in the Devil Particle. Oh, um, yeah. No. It was. It was. It takes a place. So it. Uh, Clausen goes on and, and says here, fast paced plots work wonders in young uh, young adult fiction, which is which is at the core of of the devil particle but you create this this sort of sort of maze and and we'll talk more about about that in in a little bit but i i just wanted to finish up here with number four in every moment of your story consider the following one uh what does the scene or plot point uh or plot point bring to the story in this conversation crucial to the uh, is this conversation crucial to the development of the characters number three how can my character grow in this scene and what are they learning? And number four, is there an emotional drive to the scene? All really, really important aspects of uh, of young adult storytelling, right? Right. I would I would actually say that's true of all books. Yeah. It's not just young adult. That's important in all yeah. books. Yeah, in, indeed, indeed. Uh, simply put, Clausen says, it's important not to overthink and complicate your plot and form just because you might think that it might make the story stand out more. So not too simple, but not too complicated. Right. Yeah. That's it's tricky. Yeah. 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 But you're, you're, you're sort of giving credit for the growing and building intelligence of, of your audience in young yes. adult fiction, yes. especially. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, number five include plenty, uh, plenty of tension and conflict you do that exemplary well in uh, in in a devil particle. Uh, so I, I'll just read a few points here that she uh, she makes. Regardless of genre, both these fantasy series can uh, can contain real world conflict. When deciding uh, how you can build conflict and tension in your young adult fiction, consider what conflicts drove you as a teenager, or better yet, ask friends or teenagers you know, to help you brainstorm what you, you did with your, your beta readers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'd say we, we all have, uh, we all have access to teenagers. You just have to be careful how you, how you reach out. Yeah. But, you know, driving, driving around in a, in a, in a windowless van uh, and stopping <laughs> at a, at a grade school, probably not going to get you much uh, in the way of help, probably send you right to jail. But other than that, uh, keep your characters complex, your emotions high, and your conflict uh, enticing, which you you, you did uh, beautifully in uh, The Devil Particle, and you'll be well on your way to a great piece of fiction. Um, those five, is, is she missing anything there? Um, I think you mentioned somewhere along the way she said fantasy, something about fantasy. So in dystopian, yeah, you definitely need more than mm -hmm. just what she's got there. And I would kind of argue in pretty much any young adult book, you need, the main thing is you need a conflict with uh, authority. So whether it's a parent figure or a principal at school, or in my case, it's the government, um, and generally in dystopians, it tends to be the government or some, you know, social entity. You need that, you definitely need that in young adult. As well. in, in in the devil particle, you, you sort of build this, this Jenga type maze uh, with with built-in puzzles and mysteries 
uh, as as they're ascending through this this tower, this fifty two floor <laughs> tower, to to get to to the to the penthouse uh, and and become the uh, the vessel. Right. Right. So that's that's in dystopians too. They there's mm-hmm. some kind of a maze, some kind of a struggle, some kind of a challenge. A her, her, I can't say it. Her Herlurkian. Her, you know, I'm trying to say yeah. Hercules. Yeah, her, her. <laughs> I can't get the word out, but you know what I mean. So yeah, that's, that's Herculean. Also- Herculean. There is. So that's also, you know, you think of Hunger Games or Divergent or The Maze Runner, all of those yeah. um, have that. So that's also expected. Yeah. And and the, the book originally started, um, Paul was actually, he was 35 and he was mm-hmm. married. Um, so he was a totally different character. And I thought, you know, I w- it would be fun to try writing this in a young adult fashion and a dystopian. And then realizing that it needed to have these trials, I fought it for a long time. I, I don't know what I'm, and then they became the favorite part for me for the book. It was really fun creating what they had to go through, the nine trials they had to go through. And I really enjoyed that part. Because yeah. I th- I think I think that is really natural to to a young adult novel. Uh, so it's a genre is important here uh, on, on another website that I, I was looking at uh, and uh, some popular specific um, young adult subgenres include science fiction, horror, coming of age stories, sports novels, thrillers, fantasy. You you sort of managed to wrap all of those into the devil particle. It's true. I hadn't thought about it like that, but that is true. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of all of that in there. Uh, the goal is to make mature readers from young readers, right? I don't, I, maybe. I, yeah. I just, I, I, I want to entertain, um, first of all, but I also want to okay. uh, broad, broaden horizons, kind of uh, yeah. think about other things that maybe you hadn't considered before. Mm-hmm. My books have something like that in them. And I think I strive for those um, more than anything, probably. I started reading very, very young, but it it feels to me that young adult novels or young adult stories are really capturing a a young person at that that moment where they truly appreciate that my dog is having a nightmare here. Uh, <laughs> where where they truly appreciate storytelling and and complex storytelling and even moral storytelling. I think so, but I think they can do that at any age. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. even, even young kids pick it up. So you talked about how story is ingrained to us as a species. There's a really good book on that by Lisa Cron, C R O N, um, called Wired for Story, and mm-hmm. it goes into actually the. The research behind it, as you say, different sections of your brain actually light up. Yeah, and so synchronize with the with the, the reader. Right. Yeah. So they, one of the examples I think is when you ski, certain parts of your brain light up in as you're experiencing it. Yes. If you read about somebody skiing, the same parts of those brains will light up as if you're experiencing it as well. Yeah. It's just it's just fascinating, and I think that happens at very young ages. I think that's right from the beginning. They're figuring out story. You know, they're hearing from their parents that they people read to them or listening to books or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's all ages. I really mm-hmm. do. Robert Lee Brewer at Writer's Digest offers this advice. Length on a basic level, young adult uh, or YA novels 
are aimed at readers age 13 to 18, your sweet spot. But as many people already know, young adults read uh, YA, uh, young adult novel, young adult novels as well. Uh, the 90,000 word sweet spot uh, for adult novels is considered uh, is generally shortened to a 75,000 word or shorter length. I didn't do a word count. Uh, I was too busy absorbing the uh, the, the story and, and the fun of it uh, and and even some of the puzzles that that are in there. What what is the word count of the devil particle? I think it's 74,000. Okay. And actually, um, the first two books were one, at one point it was one book uh -huh. and it got to be over 90,000 words. And I talked to my editor and I said, I think this can be easily divided into two books. And um, so we did. That's how we, it was going to be just the three book series, but we divided the first book into two. Okay. Um, that really well. So they're all around 70 to 75,000 words. And mostly that's just naturally. I think actually the third book is going to be a bit, is, is tending to be longer. Mm -hmm. uh, third book, there's two main characters that are in first person and then an, a third character who's in third person. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little trickier um, to write and there's a little bit more, you know, involved in that. So it probably will be a little bit longer, but they're all around that, that length. So I, I did a lot of research on writing for, for young adults. It astounded me that every single one of these, of these writers uh, missed that key component that we talked about a bit earlier. And, and, and so I, I think it's, it, there's value in driving this aspect of it home. They're all missing a young person's desire for importance and every kid feels impotent while longing to tap into their inner hero right mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh, that's interesting yeah yeah again not to get too religious but there's a spiritual undertone to this this story where a character or the characters are vying to become a parable for for jesus taking on everyone's sin am i reading too much into that or was that a little bit of, of your intention? <laughs> um, there's no Christianity in the book at all. There's no reference to Christianity. Right. And that and that could apply, that could apply to any right. it's a, any, any prophet like religion. character in, in right. any religion. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. so it definitely can be seen that way, though. a hundred percent can be seen that way. Yeah. I was I was taken, and I don't I don't know how long I was in writing these books, but I was taken by um Ursula Le, Le Guin's short stories. Uh -huh. uh, those the I always forget the title, it's Ocelot. Um, and the short story is the it's the the community, the town, city, whatever is beautiful place. It's perfect. Uh -huh in every way, shape, or form. And then you discover that the reason it's perfect is because they have a, I think he's six, six-year-old boy locked in a dungeon and they have to keep him there forever in, in order to have that. And I, that really hit me how you're sacrificing one person for the good, for, for society, for everybody else. Yeah. And that moral dilemma on that, you know, can you do, can you do that? Can you just and so that that's a lot. That's a that's a kind of a, a theme, a big part of these books too. You, can you do that? Can you morally sacrifice one person, and and you're saving maybe millions? It doesn't that kind of make sense that that'd be a good thing? But then, who are you as a people 
if you can do that to one person, you know, yeah. what kind of people are you saving then? Um, so that's, that's really where it's coming from. Yeah. The, the, uh, Paul's father is a minister. He's a chaplain. So he has a lot of the religious arguments against, um, what they're doing. Um, he thinks that evil does serve a purpose because God, you know, would, would provide that and he wouldn't make a mistake about that. That's important. Mm -hmm. And there's some reason. And so why mess with that? And so there is a lot of that going on, but again, it's not specific to, to any one religion, but I can right. definitely see how you would see it, how you could see it that way. Yeah. And, and you also add in some tension between, between Paul and, and his father, the, then there's that, that newspaper reveal. And I, I'm going to be careful here not to give any, uh, any spoilers away, but it's every kid's nightmare. You, you kind of throw this into the mix at a precise moment of vulnerability for, for Paul, where, He's faced with it, it's kind of every kid's kid's nightmare that they were adopted, right? Uh, and and in Paul's case, maybe product of of an affair. You take us through uh, Paul's emotions and thoughts, as frayed as they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's tough. Yeah, that was I, I I thought that was a a really powerful and really beautiful twist. Okay, um, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and it was at the worst possible moment, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah. it, it's those sort of outward and inward relationships that affect a child. And and so you you play with both of those. You play with that that much larger system, but you also play with that that inner dynamic as well. And right. and those relationships that are that are closest to to the character. Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. And those are those are all important, incredibly important levels to to a person's identity. Well, to a young I person's identity. Want the you want conflict? You want external conflict, of course, yeah. which is easy tends to be easier, at least for me, to write. But you need the internal conflict as well, and you mm -hmm. need them to be really closely connected to make it a really good story. And so uh, that's what I'm striving for mm -hmm. in my writing and in these books in particular. I've got one more question for you, and I'm going to read uh, read a quick thing from from Judy Bloom at Masterclass.com. Are you uh, the author of "Are You There, God?" It's me, Margaret, from 1970, which uh, I, I read too. I, I read it. Well, and the movie's coming out. They made a yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I read it too. Oh yeah, everybody <laughs> read it. <laughs> and yeah. Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Uh, it says take your writing seriously. Judy uh, is a big advocate of taking uh, taking yourself seriously as a writer treat writing as your job and make time for it. Um, she doesn't believe in writer's block. Instead, uh, instead of giving up when you hit an obstacle on that first draft, write something else and go back to your notebooks to regain your momentum. Get away from your desk, do laundry, go for a walk. Don't forget to make some space for your personal life, though. Remember that real life events and observations are key to keeping your idea box full. Kristen Oakley, how do you handle writing time distractions and and writer's block especially as as a mom i guess i'm doing okay it's, uh -huh. it's not you know everybody asks do you write two hours a day or whatever no i don't i write when i can i don't i, I don't believe in writer's block either i don't i don't think that's the thing if if you're hitting a wall you got to just keep writing through keep it right right through it yeah yeah or as she said 
get up, move around, work on it, do some research on the book or do yeah. something else. It'll spark. It'll come back. I, so um, not so much a mom anymore because my kids, you know, are are out. I will be a grandma this year, though. I'm very excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I so in addition to and I just wrote about this in my last newsletter, in addition to the big marketing push for the book coming out, um, I'm also moving next week from Madison to Milwaukee area. So I'm surrounded by boxes. This is on the wall back here, just so it looks nice. But you know they're coming down right after this, <laughs> so it things life is a little crazy right now. And the marketing, um, the push that I'm doing, I'm learning a lot because I yeah. didn't do a lot of this myself. So it's a huge learning curve. And what I found is I got book two, and it's in final revisions. And I thought I need to work on that because I have five very good critical readers that are going to look it over for me. It's been through the structural analysis and that's all set, but mm -hmm. I made some changes and I wanted somebody else to look at it. So I gave myself a deadline to get that to them. And I did, I got it to them. I think it was last weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and that getting to that story every day in a mix of trying to get Ingram spark to work or whatever it was that I was having issues with really brought me back to how much I love to write. Mm -hmm. And I needed that to get me through all the other stuff that you have to go through with the marketing and everything else that we have to do anyway. So I am now making sure I have time every day while I'm working on the marketing to also work on the next book. So I've got the third book is going to my publisher or my editor in the fall. And then mm -hmm fourth book. So I'm really happy that I have the whole series that I have to work on. And I, the deadlines, number one, that's the best way I get this stuff done. If I didn't have deadlines, I, you know, I probably wouldn't be uh, getting all these books out as, as quickly as I am. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't recommend deadlines hard, hardly enough on anybody. And, and one of the things you can do is a critique group or critique partner, sign up with them. And every month you have to get a chapter to them or whatever mm -hmm. it is, or, if you write short stories, there's a deadline to get to submit to a journal, whatever it is, put deadlines in your way and, and then, you know, just follow through with those. And that has always helped me. Get Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, I love that. Uh, and, and as far as writer's block is concerned for, for a novel, you always know where you want to, where you want to get, you know? So if, if you get stuck in, in a scene, jump to the next scene, jump to, jump to the next the next available thought uh, or story arc or, or aspect of the story that, that you're having, you're thinking through, you can always go back and backfill. Sometimes that helps with those, those intersecting lines of, uh, of plot. So I wouldn't be able to do that because I write very linearly. I don't know why, but uh -huh. I don't know what's going to happen until I write it. So I wouldn't be able to jump ahead unless I have something resolved, mm -hmm. but that's good. That's good advice for a lot of people and, and taking a, basically another aspect of the story and working on that. If you're, if you're hitting a, a block on one yeah. section, but just and, write, write, write. And it, you can, you know, even if even if you're not sure, you can take a scene and if it's in third person, try writing it in first person. See mm -hmm. how, or do it from a different character's perspective. If you wrote it in the yeah. protagonist view, do it in an antagonist view. It will definitely spark something for you. But what what also helps for me is if I set a time limit, limit and I have my phone on and I'm gonna, I am sitting here for one hour, I am work or half an hour, whatever it is. And there almost all the time, 
after about 10 minutes, I've got some stuff, then I've got this like, now what? But I'm, I keep looking at the phone and I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm going to sit here and it works itself out within a few minutes and then it comes through. So I think you just have to power through it a lot of times too. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's also this aspect of, of novel writing, uh, especially someone like you who's, uh, you know, who's, who's sort of following that story organically and, and, and with the characters as you're writing is sometimes you just need to mature into the story. Right. 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 So. Well, it's just interesting how our minds work. And sometimes we, I put stuff in and I have no idea why it's there until yeah. 10 chapters later. And it's like, okay, that's why it's there. It, it's very interesting. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, Kristen Oakley, uh, the latest young adult novel by her is The Devil Particle. Her website is kristenoakley.net. Thank you. Thank you this so was, much. This was a blast. This was so much really fun. fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Thanks uh -huh. so much. I'd like to thank my guest, Kristen Oakley, for joining us. You can check out Kristen at her website, which I'll post a link to in the notes below. And thanks to all of you for listening. And before we go, a quick note on my conversation with Kristen. What she was describing, defining the antagonist through the action or ancillary characters, there are 12 types of characters in storytelling. After the antagonist, deuteragonist, and tertiary characters, writers may combine one or more of the remaining character types. But in defining the protagonist, using other characters is similar to a concept in visual art called negative space, where the space around an object defines the object itself. Still, it is useful to understand the definitions and utility for each of the 12 types of characters found in storytelling. There is an excellent article worth keeping on hand as reference which lists and explains each type of character from Reed's blog that I will post a link to in the notes below. And that will do it for this episode of Let's Just Write, the exclusive podcast of the Chicago Writers Association. Please subscribe to this podcast for updates and notifications on all of our future programs. And don't forget to make CWA your destination for contests, author events, workshops, Write City Magazine, and so much more. The Chicago Writers Association is a 501c3 charitable organization. Visit chicagorights.org. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. Our theme song is Midnight Ride by Dino Olovchich, which is available on Spotify. Just like this podcast from the Chicago Writers Association, which is also available on Apple Music and at chicagorights.org. Visit our website, chicagorights.org. The Chicago Writers Association serves as a resource for inspiration and knowledge about the art, craft, and business of writing, and welcomes published and aspiring authors and short story writers from anywhere in the world. Visit chicagorights.org for details today.